Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I want to talk to you tonight and the message is empty vessels. You've got to make room for God in your life. You've got to make space for God to move. Because I think sometimes we are waiting for God and God is waiting for us. And tonight I want to read from 2 Kings chapter 4. And verse 1 the Bible says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And I know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be slaves. How many of you know that's a bad place to be if somebody's going to take your children to pay off your debt? Okay. How many of you are in debt tonight? Don't lift your hand. But listen, God's going to help you pay your debt. Okay. I said God's going to help you pay your debt, your financial debt, your emotional debt, whatever has you in bondage, God is going to help you. And things are going to change in your life, okay? So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Because God can only use what you put in His hands. And she said, your maidservant has nothing except, everybody say except. But a jar of oil. I've got nothing but... Because God cannot work with nothing. Zero times anything equals zero. So if things are going to change in your life, you have to position yourself and you have to give God something to work with. We'll talk about it tonight. And he said to her, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels, hallelujah. And do not gather just a few. I want to tell you something. When God begins to bless you, it's not going to be a little blessing. It's not going to be a little drop. It's going to be overflow. It's going to be increase. It's going to be abundance. It's going to be a deluge of blessing. I tell you, South Africa, when God begins to move, things are going to change rapidly and swiftly so that your head is going to begin to swim as God pours out His favour and God pours out His blessing upon your life and upon our nation in Jesus' Name. I don't care how difficult your situation tonight. God is able to change your situation. God is able to turn things around in your life. God is able to turn things around in South Africa. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond. All we cannot ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. So God is able tonight to change your situation. God is able to take you from lack to abundance. God is able to take you from unfruitfulness to fruitfulness. God is able to take you from a place of barrenness to a place of blessing and life. Say amen tonight in Jesus' name. So the prophet says to her, go borrow vessels. Sounds like when God delivered Israel from Egypt, He brought them out with silver and gold. Your, your, your hard days are over. 
Your days of scarcity is over. I declare it. Your days of lack is over in Jesus' Name. Your days of struggling is over, child of God, in Jesus' Name. Say Amen. He says, and verse 4 says, And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind your circumstances negatively in your sons, and pour it into all those vessels, and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her, and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. Build another building. Make space for God's grace. Dig another well. Arrange another business meeting. Start another home cell. Have another prayer meeting. Make space for God. Make room for God. And she said, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel, so the oil see. When did it stop? Not by God's design, but according to her expectation. Then she came and told the man of God and, said, go, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons shall live of the rest. So this woman makes room for God. And I want to talk about your expectation because our expectation and anticipation is God's invitation. So what is your level of expectation tonight? Um, what are you expecting God for? Uh, a teaspoonful of blessing? Um, uh, do you have nothing in your hand? Uh, what is it? Because the prophet says to her, go, buy, go borrow empty vessels. He doesn't tell her how many. Actually, he says, don't bear, uh, borrow just a few. Jy moet tevraat wees as het kom by Godse Seen. Jy moet honger wees as het kom by Godse Seen. You must stop limiting God in your life and stop settling for second best and stop settling for small and stop settling for what circumstances say you can do. Because with God in the equation, things are going to change. So she had to raise her level of expectation and she borrowed many vessels and she used the little she had and she began to pour because expectation requires what? Preparation. That's what I'm saying to you if you are believing God for great things next year, that it's going to be a year of supernatural acceleration. You can't just be passive. You have to get ready. You have to plow your field. You have to stake your pegs. You have to plan for expansion. You have to plan, prepare, pray, proclaim, prophesy, until that showers of blessing falls upon your life. And I'll tell you something, if you make room for God, God is going to surprise you. God is going to overwhelm you. But here's the challenge with people. People have chosen to become cynical. People have chosen to be confined by this, what this world says can happen. But may I remind you tonight, CRC, that God is a supernatural God, that God is able to intervene in your world, and God is able to take the little that you put in His hands and multiply it into abundance. But you have to firstly raise your level of expectation. You have to open your umbrella. This one is a bit bigger. And you're going to hide away. Walk with me. You have to open your umbrella and um, you're going to have to get ready. I said you're going to have to get ready. Like this widow was, she had to get ready. She had to lift her expectation. 
So pastors watching me tonight, stop limiting God through your conversation. Stop limiting God through your board meetings. Stop limiting God through your thoughts. Begin to believe that anything is possible because the Bible says, if you can believe all things are possible to them that believe, you have to raise your level of expectation while you are facing a drought. This woman, I mean, she had severe circumstances. The debt collectors was knocking at the door and she needed a miracle. And God said to her, what do you have? Well, tonight the question is, what is it that you have? Well, I have a degree, but no job. It doesn't matter. God's going to use that degree. I have a personality, but I have no opportunity. God says, I'm going to use that personality. You be the best version of yourself in Jesus' name. You say, Pastor, I've just started the business. Well, God's going to bless that business. Write out your dream. Write out your vision. Become like a Jamie's and say, God bless me. God enlarge me. Come on, change your way that you see, Pastor. While you are preaching to a hundred, see yourself preaching to 10,000 people. Preach like you're preaching to 10,000 people in Jesus' name. Then you will see God do something. I tell you, my whole life, I've seen God meet me at a level of expectation followed by preparation. From the days of Lady Brand, sounds like I'm ancient. When we hired a little hall of 80, and it was huge for me. Back in that time, I thought if I can only build, I was 23 years old, so give me a, a break, okay, when I started my first church. And um, I thought if I can only have a building 20 meters by 20 meters, I'm going to be happy. That was my dream, my vision. Can you believe it? Yes. And we hired a little hall and, and we put 80 seats out. That was my expectation. And like 20 people showed up. Well, the first time that there were six, then we had 23, then we grew to 30 something and then 23 people moved. And uh, I also wanted to move almost because I thought, what the heck am I doing in Lady Brain? Um, but God was faithful because I prayed and I kept on believing God that there was going to be something special that was going to happen, that God was going to give me land and, and I was going to build a building in Lady Brand. We're talking back in 1988, okay? Um, and I prayed over those plastic chairs every single week that God would fill 80 chairs. And He did. Then He filled them twice on a Sunday. Then we built a little building, 300-seater. And um, prayed over those 300 seats. 150 people showed up the first Sunday. Eventually, within six months, we filled it. And then twice on a Sunday, then God called me to Bloomington, 1993-94. And we were in the Red Cross Hall that seated about 250 people. And we built a building that seated 1,500 people. The first Sunday we moved in there, it's like I saw the unbelief in everybody's face because uh, they were overwhelmed by the space. I wasn't overwhelmed. I was encouraged. I was challenged because I knew you give God space, then God's going to fill the space in the name of Jesus. Come on. I know you're getting ready for holiday, but young people next year, we are going to fill this building to overflow on Sunday nights because God said we are going to have a youth revival. Come on. If you believe it, give God a 10-second praise. Somebody in Jesus' name. So, uh, we don't even realize that we limit God through our thoughts. We limit God through our actions. We limit God by portraying ourselves as victims. I don't have anything. Thank God this widow focused beyond what she did not have to the little she had. 
And the little she had, like that little boy with the five loaves and two fish, when he put it in the hands of Jesus, Jesus multiplied it and a miracle of increase took place. I want to say to you today, you have to make room for God. You have to raise your level of expectation. When I spoke to Tommy Bonnet, one of the men I admire that built the Dream Center in America, one of the greatest leaders still alive on planet Earth, I said to him, because I always ask pastors, a generation ahead of me. I mean, young people want to lead themselves. You can't lead yourself. You need a generation older than you to lead you. Because if you're wrestling with your issues, how is that young guy wrestling with his issues going to help you? So the Bible says, one generation shall teach another generation. So when I seek wisdom, I seek it from my elders. People that have been where I want to go. Not Mr. Know-it-all that has accomplished nothing. So I said to Tommy Bonnet, if there's one thing that you could have changed, what would you do? He said, I would have risked more for God because every risk we took in faith paid off. God never failed me. God always came through. And I can say the same from Lady Brand to Bloomfield Tate to Pretoria to Johannesburg. God has always been faithful. And whenever we have created space for God, God filled that space, not only with His presence, but with provision, with people, with supply, so we could expand God's kingdom. So, watch your language. Um, we can all say the right thing, but what is it that you truly believe? If you say people don't want to do business with me, that's it. If you, if you say, I'm never going to find a job. You've limited God. You understand that? Psalm 78 verse 41, the Bible says, they limited the Holy One of Israel. If you say the economy is not conducive for business, you've just spoken a curse over your life. Because God will bless you in a famine. God will multiply you in the midst of decrease. When everybody else is struggling, that's when God will put His hand upon your life and supernaturally accelerate you. You are going to be the one that will get the job. You are going to be the one that will get the promotion. You are going to be the one that will expand your business. While everybody else is thinking about scaling down, you are going to be expanding. Can you say amen tonight in Jesus' name? So watch your thoughts. Because your thoughts will determine your words. And your words will determine your actions. No matter how you feel, if you cannot say anything positively, say nothing. Because you better believe that your words matter. Proverbs 6 verse 2, the Bible says, you are snared, you are entangled by the words of your mouth. So if you say, I don't think I can, you're right. If you believe you can, you are right. If you believe you can't, you probably won't. So the greatest thing that I have to change is our image of God and then the image of ourselves. Because inherently, it's what we think inside, this treasure that determines how we will propel ourselves into the future by God's grace and by the power of God. So this widow could have gathered three vessels, four vessels, five vessels. 
I mean, there was no limit. God didn't say go gather 50 vessels. He didn't say go build a 500 seater. He didn't say go build a thousand seater. He didn't say just take it easy. He said go borrow vessels because the miracle of multiplication is in your house. It's not out there. It's not in China. It's not in Russia that's buying our gas. It's not in uh, Europe. It's not in America. But I put life and death before you. I put life and death in your mouth. I give you the choice to choose life. I choose give you the choice to lift up your eyes and to see the future differently. And if you see the future different, that future will change the image you carry on the inside. And you will not look at the drought, you will see the surplus, you will see the supply, you will see the abundance, you will not see your shortfalls, you will see your completion. In Christ Jesus, you are complete. You will not talk about your hang-ups. You will talk about who you are in Christ because the picture you have is the picture God has about you. And that means you become unstoppable and you become limitless. Because the ceiling is what you determine. And I say it often, one man's ceiling is another man's floor or a basement. So how high you go in life is how you change your mind about what God says about you. That's why I say certain things, not because I'm anti the government, but I'm anti the government's agenda when it comes to education. I want to make it very, very clear. I'm not anti any person's sexual orientation, but I'm anti the confusion that is propagated from Canada and from America to the rest of the world. I'm anti that. And let me tell you why. Because girls, when they go through puberty, they inevitably don't feel good about themselves. Listen to me very carefully. And most of them are not comfortable with their bodies. So they don't need a school system that confuses them so that they're not secure about who they are. Angelique, when she went through puberty, I'll never forget as a father who got it all, all, all my life. And uh, when the hormones kicked in and she was my smiley child, they all are, but I called her because she was the firstborn. I called them all smiley. Now I'm going to get fights from the other two. But in any case, she was my, okay. So I called her my sunshine girl because she was always smiling, always. You, you, you discipline her, she smiled. It was like me as well, okay? I would always smile, get myself in, in problems, but I smiled because I was nervous. I didn't smile because I was rude. So suddenly this daughter of mine changes and the little face becomes serious and it's like, and she's not comfortable in her skin because I'm not a girl. I know what happens to the guys, but the girl suddenly is like, I'm not feeling beautiful. I'm not feeling pretty. I'm not feeling loved. I'm not feeling wanted. Oops, dangerous time because now they don't need somebody to tell them you're not a girl and you, you're not. So what did I do to Angelique? I told her, Angelique, you're beautiful. Angelique, you are gorgeous. Angelique, you, you're going to be like Miss World one day. I affirmed her and she sat on my lap once. She was in Standard 5 after I spoke in Unicia High School in Bloemfontein to uh, the parents together with their daughters, all uh, uh, seven, uh, seventh graders. And I saw how uh, parents had no relationships, especially fathers with their daughters, not affirming their daughters. So we don't need, we don't need a, situa- a, 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 a system that when people are vulnerable, they doubt who God made them to be. 
That's when they need a voice of affirmation to say, you are beautiful. You are gorgeous. You are wonderful. Your daddy loves you. You are the most gorgeous girl alive on planet Earth. Not tell her you are the most gorgeous person. No, you are a girl by God's design. And I love you as your daddy, as, as, as your daughter. And um, she sat on my lap when she was 12 years old, oh, yeah, 12, 13 years old. I said, Ange, what's up? And she started crying. I don't know what's happening to me. I said, it's okay. I just loved her, hugged her, loved her, hugged her, loved her. And was very intentional to affirm her every day until she became secure in her skin. So what this world is trying to do is to rob you, listen, of you. Because if you don't know you, you'll never know what you can do. And if you don't love you, you'll never love anybody else. So this is what the system is designed to rob you of your identity, of who God made you to be. And again, with people that struggle with sexual orientation, I am for you. You're welcome in this church. We love you. We embrace you. We celebrate you. But we will not endorse this woke agenda that brings confusion to a generation and to a world and that tells a little girl you cannot call her a little girl and tells a little boy you cannot tell him a little, call him a little boy. You better tell your boy, hey, you're a boy and you respect them girls. That girl is not an object. You tell that little girl you are a beautiful little girl and you don't let no boy touch you. Come on in Jesus' name. Come on, South Africa. So when, when, when you, the vessel, give yourself to God, that's when you find and discover yourself. So you have to empty yourself first before you will ever meet God and the love that God has for you. People talk about repentance, but repentance isn't your work of crawling to the cross. May I remind you, when that prodigal son left his father's house and he said, I will say to my father, while he was still coming to the father, the father ran to him and the father loved him and the father put his arms around him and put a robe around him and put a ring on his fingers and put sandals on his shoes and said, you are not a slave. You are not a servant of sin. The fact that you've come back, I'm going to love you because I'll tell you something. It's God's goodness and God's love and God's grace and God's mercy that will lead you to repentance. When you experience the love of God, you won't have to repent. The power of sin will be broken over your life. Shout amen. Come on, young person, in Jesus' name. I mean, Peter, two encounters in the Bible. First time Jesus meets him, he toils all night. He catches nothing. His boat is empty. Then Jesus says, give me your boat. An empty boat. Give me what you have. And Peter gives it to Jesus. And Jesus uses that boat as a vessel to preach the Word. Afterwards, Jesus says, launch out into the deep. And by the way, Jesus never got out of the boat. He stayed in the boat. You want God's blessing? Let Jesus stay in your boat. Let Jesus stay in your situation. You go back into the unknown with Jesus. You want to walk on the water? You have to walk on the water with Jesus Christ. You're not going to do it by yourself. Because when you sink, you better know who to call upon and He's going to lift you up out of that situation in Jesus' name, okay? So the first time 
we, we see Jesus with Peter. He has an empty boat. And Jesus comes and sends, after He preaches the Gospel, sends Him out into the same lake where there are the same storm circumstances. Nothing changed in the natural except for He had Jesus in His boat and He obeyed. And I mean, it makes no sense. Come on. Those boats weren't too big. He says, cast your nets on the other side. It's just, now Peter, do it my way. Because your way didn't work. You want me to fill the empty spaces in your life? Yield control of your life to me. I know where the fish is. I, oh, I'm, is, 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 I is. I know where the uh, tax money can be found. <laughs> I know. I know what the future holds. I know I can lead you. But give me what you have. And sometimes the greatest thing that you have is you in a broken state, in a messed up state, in a lost state, in a heck of a state. That sometimes is the best thing you can give God is just come as you are and say, Lord, here I am. I give myself back to you. God says, that's all I've been waiting for. I'm going to take you. I'm going to build you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to set you on fire. And I'm going to use you to be a generation shaker, a history maker. Come on. I'm going to use you to leave your mark on the world. I'm going to use you to build the greatest business empire that this country has ever seen. But you're going to do it for my glory in Jesus' name. So, yeah. Jesus comes and He blesses Peter in a place of emptiness with so much fish that the boat was beginning to sink and He had to call other people to come and help Him. Then we know the journey of Peter after Jesus dies. He runs away. He backslides during COVID. And um, <laughs> he's now riding his bicycle. Now sipping his, you know, she's sipping her latte and reading the great latest Christian literature and following Brother Doodad that they know nothing about, that they just saw a two-minute clip of and suddenly they're impressed by everything because they've disconnected from the local church where God has placed them. So Peter runs away from God in COVID. It's a lockdown. He says, I go fishing. The disciples say, I go fishing with you again. I go, we go fishing. I don't think we should go to church anymore. And your friends say, I think so too. They all go. And here comes Jesus. Not as a judge, but as a saviour. And again, listen, listen, it's, it's so easy this. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But people are so stubborn. It's like Jonah that was in, the, in that whale's belly. And I, I thought, if you're going to be digested by a whale, you better pray the first minute you land in the whale's belly. Not Jonah. Jonah is so flippant stubborn that he doesn't cry out to God for three days. Have you thought about Jonah? Jonah, gentle. Sometimes the, the gentle people with a gentle demeanor are the most stubborn people on planet earth because you never know what they think. They dig their heels in in the guise of, oh, I'm gentle and I'm soft-spoken. Just don't cross me because... Then they're like, we shall, we shall, we shall not be... Hello, my brother. Bless you, my brother. 
Oh yeah, sometimes these people, especially these people that push these agendas, do it in the guise of, we care about everybody. Everybody should be respected. No, no, no. You want everybody to respect your viewpoint. But you don't want to respect anybody else's viewpoint. And anybody else's viewpoint, when they cross you, it changes you from a little gentle person to a monster, to a demon. To poison. I tell people in marriage all the time, talk, communicate. Don't suppress your emotions and it's like you're just this loving wife. Hello, my, my, oh, my darling. Oh, my. Because oh. we all know the, the bomb is going to burst at one time. That gentle little smiley, smiley that's built up all that resentment suddenly is going to explode. So you want to be free. Bible says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. You want to be free. You want to walk in freedom. You want to live free, spirit, soul, and body. So yes, Peter, and, and, and we have to listen to this because if, if we're going to get where God wants us to go, we need honesty with God. We need honest conversation with God. Sometimes honest conversation makes us feel uncomfortable because we want to dethrone God. That's our human nature and enthrone ourselves. That happened in the Garden of Eden when the serpent came and he said, you can be just like God. So what are people today in the world? These world rulers, they are replacing God in people's lives. They are acting like God. Sometimes we act like God in our own lives because we have the final say. I know what God says, the but comes in. So yes, Peter, he's disillusioned. His Lord has just been crucified in the most terrible way, brutally by the Romans. And Peter just denied Jesus three times. He fails Jesus. He's afraid of a little girl. Like Elijah, when that spirit of persecution came, when Jezebel said, I'm gonna kill you, he ran away from confrontation. And what did Peter go do? He went fishing. And what happens? He catches nothing. Zippo, nothing. His endeavors are not succeeding. And here comes Jesus again. And he says, children, John chapter 21, have you caught anything? And he says, no. And he says that again, cast your net out again. And when he draws in the fish, he says, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. They didn't even recognize Jesus standing on the seashore. They recognized Jesus when the blessing of Jesus manifested in his life. And Peter jumps in the boat. He says, oh God, it's you again. I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your goodness. But once again, you have blessed me. I'm a sinful man. You've been better to me than I deserve. You, oh, come on, you are merciful. Because God is not going to treat you the way you act. God's not going to treat you according to your works. God's going to treat you based on what He did 2,000 years ago through Jesus Christ who died for you and paid the price for your salvation. So the best thing you can do is to invite this amazing God to be part of your life. Allow Jesus Christ to fill your life. Get Jesus in the boat, boat not as a religious figure, but as a Saviour, as a Deliverer, as a Provider, as the all-wise, all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful God. He is your Lord. He is your Saviour. And I'll tell you, my brother, He can take you from nothing 
into abundance and to surplus if you will raise your level of expectation and allow His anointing, His presence to fill your life. And if you take what you have and give it to Him. And I want to say this again in closing. The best thing we can give every day is ourselves. The best thing we can do every day is to empty ourselves of ourselves and receive all that God has for us because He knows the future. That means we have to empty ourselves of hang-ups, of fear, of doubt, of insecurity, of feelings of failure, feelings of insignificance, feelings of inferiority, because this world system is designed by Satan to rob you of you. And the only person who can get you in touch with you is God Himself. And until you get in touch with God, you're always going to be that Simon, that Reed, that one that is influenced by anything and by everything, looking for acceptance. Had Angelique not had the father when she went through this difficult time and not suddenly feeling comfortable in her skin. And I say it like that because sometimes pastors are not comfortable in their calling. They're trying, but they're not standing in the grace that God designed for them. Because when you stand in God's grace, it's not going to burn you out. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to be difficult. It's not going to be every month you have to just barely pay the bills. He's God. He's El Shaddai. And I think sometimes in the ministry, because I deal with pastors all the time, it's like they have no revelation of who God is and therefore they have no revelation of who they are. They feel called, but they've never taken the time to discover God. So there are, there's this war ongoing on the inside of inadequacy. Fearing to step out, fearing to take risks for God. I'm not talking about foolishness. This prophet comes, and by the way, nothing is going to happen in your life without faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and He's a reward of those who diligently seek Him. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Not we walk by our five senses and we walk by what people say in the world. We walk by faith. That means we build our lives on a rhema. Like Peter, when he launched out in the deep and he had to let his net down on the other side, the deep meaning the unknown, the uncertain, that which you don't know that you cannot control. He had to go back there. But this time with Jesus in his boat. I mean, what sense does it make for a widow that just has a little bit of oil, a little jar of oil. Tell me, what is the sense in it? And the prophet says, hear the word of the Lord. Go borrow empty vessels. You can start a church with one person, Pastor. I did in Lady Brand with one family. The rest is history. And I say it by the grace and for the glory of God. 
You don't need an army. You don't need a, 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 a billionaire. You don't need anything. You need the call of God. You need the grace of God. My brother started the business selling black plastic bags. He ended up building a business today that's worth billions of rands in Jesus' name. All he did was he made himself available to God. He got rid of his excuses because excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. You need to get rid of the reasons why you cannot succeed. Get rid of the reasons why you cannot progress. Get rid of the reasons why you cannot be the best in your game. Because the Bible says the righteous is better than his neighbor. But it starts by yielding yourself to God and giving what you have to God, that little jar. And then by faith, you pour that. You start a business, you get one customer. You enter a competitive market, people say the market is saturated. Says who? When, 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 when we started the church, or I went to Bloomingdale, I mean, there were churches everywhere. People said, we don't need another church. I said, said who? Said who? Now I'm not saying you can go start a church without God, because it's gonna fail. It will be there for a season and then it's gone because God will not sustain what He hasn't birthed. You get arrogant and you leave because you're divisive and you start a church, you have a season, it's finished. It's, it's, it's doomed to failure before you start because it's born of the flesh. God will not bless your idea. God will bless His plan and His purpose for your life. And if God called you to be in business but you can't submit to a pastor and you start a church, God's not going to bless that. No matter how much you pray. You can't pray God, you can't manipulate God through your prayer. Prayer is not telling God what to do. Prayer is listening to God and actioning what God says. That's why I'm on a campaign to tell Christians, pray but then do something. The more you pray, the more busier, the busier you should be. There should be feet to your prayers. Doesn't help you pray for revival and you sit in your, your lazy blessed assurance. Doesn't help you pray for your friends to get saved and you don't witness. Doesn't help you pray for business and you're not digging a well. Amen. It's like in this COVID, everybody said, oh, we should just pray. And what did that do? I'm not belittling prayer. I teach prayer all the time. But Jesus, people say, God's in control. How? He's in the heaven. Think. He gave us dominion. He gave us the keys. He gave us power of attorney. Excusia. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go therefore. Delegated authority. What you bind on earth is bound in and what you loose on earth is loose. So you are the key. Listen, listen, listen. You are the key to what will happen in your life. You and God. Not just God. You in partnership with God because any breakthrough requires a God part and a man part. Religion taught you you've got nothing to do with that. Well then let's see the millie crops without the farmer going and plowing the land and sowing the seed and reaping the harvest. Why do we do that when it comes to the kingdom of God? We say all we have to do is pray. Then my brother stay at home, don't work, pray and let's see how your business will do. You know it's not rea re reality. You pray and you go. You pray and you wage war. So don't tell me we just pray 
and everything is going to be okay with this government. No, we pray and we engage. We pray and we challenge. We pray and we say we will not roll over. We pray and we fight for our children. We pray and we fight for our religious freedom. We pray and we do the possible. Come on, we will do better than the Taxi Association as God's people. We are the salt. We are the light. We are the people that God has placed on the earth to preserve this planet and to preserve the morals and the kingdom culture in Jesus' name. So um, if all you have is a voice, use it. God's called me to be a motivational speaker. Then start motivating your friends. <laughs> I didn't start in the ministry and there was a building waiting for me. Young people today, sometimes they ask me, when are you retiring? Why are you asking me that? Because you want what I've built. Go build your own thing, man. Show me what you've got. Don't just sit there and wait for me to be raptured. Because by God's grace, I'm not planning to go soon. So you're going to wait a long time. Why are you asking me? Because you want what's mine. Go build your own. Let's see your faith, not your, your yuck, 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 yuck on social media. Let's see your substance. Because the tree is known by the fruit, not by the yuck, 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 yuck. Yuckety yuck. Sit on social media and say a lot of things, but when you get into a debate, you can't say anything because you can't hold your ground other than behind a computer. Because you know something will slap, somebody will slap you if you say what you do on your computer. When you get in a real man's world. I think it's a coward to sit behind a computer and spew hatred. I think that's a, the, the highest form of cowardice. To create a fake profile and spew nonsense on social media. I think you're a coward. At least I told Malema, and I, I, I know God loves him, but I told Malema to his face. He said, tell me where white people fit into South Africa. I don't go on social media and talk about him. I speak to his face. And so I did to our president and many other people. I don't talk behind their backs. I will talk to these educators to their face about the rubbish that they want to bring into this education system. I'll talk to their faces, not behind their back. I'll speak to their faces. So you be you and you mind your own business. And I dare to say there's areas in your life you need God to touch. And rather than Diverting attention, you bring that vessel, that brokenness that you're covering up with anger, that hurt that you're covering up in relationships. You bring that vessel. The most sacred thing you can give God is your heart, is giving Jesus entry, access to your heart. And maybe you've never done that. I want to tell you that God loves you. And it all starts here. 
You've got dreams for business. You don't need a company. You don't need a building. I say to pastors all the time that go into the ministry, you don't need a building. You need a vision. You need a pure heart. You need a humble heart. You need a heart that loves the people. A heart that attracts God's presence to you. And therefore you have to empty yourself daily. Like Paul said, I die daily. Meaning I empty myself daily. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he may increase. Social media teaches you, you have to increase. And you think you're going to build your church by magnifying your profile on social media. It's foolishness. You will build your church through increasing the presence of God upon your life so that when you open your mouth, people will be touched. Because they're not going to be impressed by you in the flesh for very long. They're impressed by the treasure you carry. We first have to empty ourselves. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that Christ may increase. We are taught again and again to say, not my will be done, but thy will be done. What does that mean? I empty myself of myself so that I can be filled with God, with the fullness of God. And that doesn't mean I become this religious uh, person. It means I receive what God has for me. And that is much more than I can ever gain by myself. Self-esteem, Christ-esteem, confidence, confidence, faith, boldness, courage, strength. All these things come from God. All these virtues we get from God as we empty ourselves. So my question tonight is, who has the container? Your heart. The Bible says the problem in politics is God's got very few politicians' hearts. That's very evident. But the time is coming, 2024, we will get people that God has the heart of those people. Not the West, not the East. I'm talking here to Africa. We are going to have people that will love Africa, that will love the people of South Africa, that will love the white people of South Africa, the black people of South Africa, the colored people of South Africa, the Asian people of South Africa, the people that no, will no longer say them and us, but the people that say we are, the rainbow nation that Nelson Mandela spoke about. Those are the leaders we want. Leaders that will not divide us based on skin color, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whichever way he desires. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So all your smarts and sharps will not do it. That widow had to give an empty vessel what she had for God to move. God began to move in my life when I gave my heart to him. When I allowed Jesus to take full control, not partial. Because the girl you're dating now, you're impressed by her looks and her social status and all the rubbish. And it's good if it's there, but you tend to are not going to marry her. Let me tell you, the people that were my supposed close friends in my 20s are no more. So those people that now so influence your life, 10 years from now, they will not be in your life. 10 to 1. Even if you say, besties for life. Oh, you know you've lost those besties already. Now you have a new bestie. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
We are to live for God and we are here to love people. But until this, 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 pastor, pastor, your visions, your dreams, your level of faith, oh my word, your level of faith, your level of faith. There's no other way to enlarge your heart and to get de- difficult, Mr. D, Mr. R, Mr. FF, R, Mr. C, Mr. U, Mr. LTY, out of your mind. There's no other way to get it out of your mind. Nothing, 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 nothing. Because we all are wired because of sin to demean ourselves, to doubt ourselves, to talk down on ourselves. We are just wired that way. Here and there is a narcissist, the mean people of this world. But the rest of the people struggle with self-doubt all the days of their lives. And that's why we need Christ. Wholeness, fullness. Yeah. So pastors feel pressure to perform. There's no pressure. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But until you don't allow Him to come here and to enlarge this space that then will radiate to this space that will reflect in your preparation, which is your words and your actions and your demeanor and your tenacity. You will talk about your dreams till Jesus comes and nothing will happen because your heart is not set in what God has called you to do. And this requires surrender. Surrender your doubt, your fear, your unbelief, your insecurity. Surrendering your heart to Jesus. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving now, please. In Pretoria, again, thank you for being here tonight. I know you're writing exams, it's amazing. So we keep it short. The thousands there in Bloemfontein, in Cape Town, in Potchefstroom, in Uppington, where we're having a harvest event, we're expecting over 5,000 people there. We're very excited. A lot of the farmers coming, etc. It's going to be an amazing evening, Wednesday night at Uppington. Pray for us, please, in the stadium. But tonight you're sitting in this place and you have not given this space to God. You've not given your heart to Jesus. You've not truly surrendered your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did one time. But like Peter, you've gone fishing again. And it doesn't matter what that fishing represents. It means you've just walked away from what God has for you. I want to pray for you tonight. I want to help you come back to Jesus. He loves you. And He wants to calm that inner storm. And He wants to bring peace to your troubled mind. But it's going to be as you give Jesus everything. As you surrender all to Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. People praying in all our church as you're sitting here. You say, Pastor, that's me talking to me. I need a fresh start with God. I want to come back to God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus tonight. Forget your friends around you. You know, the day I gave my life to Jesus, my best friends never did. They went through a lot of trouble, but they never yielded their lives to Jesus. You're sitting in Johannesburg tonight. You're not there by accident. Tonight, God brought you to fill you. You are the empty vessel I'm talking about. That acceptance you are craving, that love you are craving, like the woman of the well of Samaria, you will find in one place, one person, his name is Jesus. So you're sitting here tonight. You say, there's that empty space in my heart, the void. I need peace with God, a fresh start, a new beginning. If that's your desire, I want to pray for you. All over this place, if that's you, quietly just lift your hand quickly in Jesus' name. Slip your hand up quickly all over this place. I'm going to say a prayer for you quick. Now, in Jesus' name, raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Slip it up quickly. Raise it up. Say yes. Including me in that prayer. Thank you. God bless you. 
God bless you, God bless you, bless you. Up there, God bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on there in Bloomington on the balcony. Slip up your hand tonight. There's a stirring in your heart. God's talking to you. Come to Jesus tonight. They're in Cape Town, Pots of Strim. Last time I'll forek, but he's a willing to be in your God with your praat. Je wil hy spaas, jy behoort nog nie aan die Heere nie, jy het nog nie hart aan die Heere toegebein nie. Of miskien het jy maar het weggedwaal, koud geword, lauw geword. God veroordeel jy nie, hy roep jou terug, soos Petrus, toe hy gaan visvang het. Jesus het om teruggebring, met sy goedheid, sy genade. Vanavond wil hy jou terugbring. Aanvaar sy uitnodiging, want as hy die spaas hier vul, dan verander die rest van jou leven, automatisch. Laatste maal voor ek bid, jy sê vanavond die Heere praat met my. Sluit my na die gebed en tel jou hand vannacht op, nou, in Jesus' naam. Tel hem op, vannacht, dankie, in Jesus' naam. Raise it up. Thank you. God bless you. 1994, God spoke to me and said to build his church through technology. And um, we were the first one in South Africa, by far. There was one other church in the world that did what we do, to have multiple campuses. And um, when we started that, now everybody does it, but we pioneered it. As a matter of fact, Telcom learned from us, Vodacom learned from us, etc., etc. So many of you will remember the journey, etc. People came to learn from us because we pioneered live streaming. Now, there's hundreds of people getting saved in Bloomington. I'm saying that for a fact because when God spoke to me to enlarge our territory and from Bloomington to expand to Pretoria and to use technology to build a church, everybody told me it can't, it's not going to work. And they said, people are never going to watch a screen. I said, what are you talking about? And we're talking about many years ago. Now it's common. Every church has stolen our slogan. One church, many locations, and this kind of stuff. But we were the originals, by far. That's, well, that's reality. Whether you believe it or not, that's just how it is. That's why it works. That's why still every Sunday it works. And sometimes people say, CRC is a one-man show. I've raised up the strongest preachers in the country that are preaching and building buildings right now while we sit here. We're building a, a 5,000-seat in Botswana. We're building a 3,000-seater in Kimberley right now. We're building a 3,000-seater in Ports of Struam. Bought land in Vienna, building a building there, etc. So jealous people are just mean and nasty. No, I stand in my calling and my grace until God said it's over. Not because there's a young person that says, okay, give me the microphone. No, you take your microphone and you go show the rest of us what's in you. So people don't like that kind of boldness, but that's just it. A lion doesn't apologize for being a lion. It's not going to act like a scared, beaten dog. Because I still look in the mirror and I see a lion looking back at me. I don't see a uh, look in the mirror and see a scary kitty cat. So people say, you're very brash. No, I'm br not brash, I'm bold, man. And some of you are not used to it because you're used to ministers standing up, twiddling their fingers and saying things to tickle your ears. And if you hear somebody speak direct, it's offensive to you because your daddy never told you, clean up your flippant bedroom. Your mother never told you, wash behind your ears. Oh no, I just want to go where I feel nice. And what's nice done? Huh? What's nice done? Nice has done nothing. 
You don't win a war by being nice. This is a war. And whether you like it or not, you're part of that war. It's a spiritual war. And you can't sit on the sideline and sip your latte and and read your little Christian book and just talk about things and you're not engaging and you're not planted in a local church and you stay committed. I mean, the thing that amazes me the most is people that come to me and say, oh, pastor, the Lord called me and the Lord called me to support you, etc. And then I hear later, I know they moved somewhere and I think, now what did the Lord say? People that have spoken to me to my face and say, the Lord brought me here and God told me I must support you and I must be a her in business to you. And the next minute you hear they're gone. So what Lord is that now? Which one was the Lord? The Lord who moved you or the Lord who said you must be here? Stop this foolishness. When God planted me in a church, I stayed there, never left. This generation, you have to get planted in a local church. Stop church hopping. You're used to jumping from relationship to relationship. You can't do it with God. In God, you need spiritual fathers. You need spiritual mentors. You need to get planted. You need to get the whole counsel of God. Not just go where you can sip a latte and look cool. Because your cool won't help you win the battle. Ask those Russians that are now being deployed, not being trained. They cannon fodder. And my generation that comes out of the military, we were well-trained, well-prepared, young people. It's a two-way street, this. It's not just us having to encourage you. It's you having to make yourself teachable. And allow us as leaders sometimes to be truthful and honest to the point of discomfort. Huh? So you have to get planted. If it's not in this church, get planted and stay there. You can't serve you and then after a while you're just gone. What the heck is that? What is that? So what was God? Did God plant you? Yeah, or he didn't he? Because God doesn't plant you and then he moves you. So stop that nonsense. You either yeah or you're not. You need the whole counsel of God, not just the you're wonderful, you're fantastic, and I like telling you those things, but sometimes you need straight talk. And that's what people don't like. So the Bible says the hearts of the children, the hearts of the fathers will return to the children, the hearts of the children. Sometimes you talk to young pastors, they think they can learn more from other young pastors. They're too arrogant to humble themselves and learn from those that have successfully pioneered God's work and, and, and worked for years to build God's kingdom because they're going to do it differently. Well, let's see, brother to dad. Let's see. You can impress everybody for three years, but let's see after 37 years whether people still even know you, whether you're still in the race, whether you are still strong. So be careful when you try to give advice to a man that's been in the ministry. 10 times longer than you. Amen. And I'm fine. So listen, pray for me. The only thing Paul ever asked people to pray for, 
pray for opportunity to preach the gospel. Further on, mind your business. Pray for yourself, I suggest. My word. My word. I started this before you were even born. And your prayer wasn't there. So Paul prays for one thing. That God will give him open doors to speak. So pray for me for open doors. That's it. Other than that, pray for yourself. Don't put your prayer as witchcraft on me. You pray in the Holy Ghost, if you want to pray for me, and you pray, God, give our pastor more favor with the government because I'm bold. I need that. Give him open doors, more places to preach the gospel. That's it. That's the only prayer Paul ever asked. He didn't ask that you pray for him, uh, for God to protect him and preserve him and things like that. God will keep me on this earth as long as he needs me here, with or without your prayer. I know it sounds arrogant, but it's a fact. Because I had people one day pray, lay hands on me. And they, it was on a set that I used to go pray with people before the service. And they laid their hands on me and said, Oh Lord, bless the pastor. I said, what? I'm blessed. Oh Lord, anoint the pastor. I said, but I got your anointed. I don't need you to pray for me to be anointed. Pray for yourself to get anointed. I said, believe. But for yourself. Cry fear in your ear, in your ear, in your ear, um, heart. Cry your ear fear. But for yourself. They laid their hands on me and I said, man, stop this. Stop this. You're going to pray for me to be anointed. Oh, Father, give him the word of the Lord. So your prayer is now going to open my mind to hear the word of the Lord. Now you want me to hear your word. So you pray for me and then send me a book which I don't read. <laughs> at least I've been around 37 years and by God's grace I'm still going to be a long time so and I say this because young ministers get arrogant they forget do what I've done, then open your mouth. Until then, just humble yourself and learn. Okay. I'm talking to all my pastors out there. Thank you. I don't care how hot you are today. I'm still hot after 37 years. So thank you. <laughs> Holy Ghost, right? Amen. 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 I don't care how you see that. I really don't. It's irrelevant. Because
get planted in a church. If you can't respect this leadership, go find a church, respect that leadership, and go serve in that house. That's it. That's it. Stop jumping from church to church to find pastors you can control. And any pastor that's controlled by people or people's giving is not worth being in the ministry. You want to just please and pacify people, get out of the ministry. We don't need it because that's brought our country where we are today. Nobody had the guts, the backbone to stand up during this COVID. And now this whole woke generation, go find me any pastor that addresses it. Go find me that person. You won't find one person that addresses this agenda, which is worse than COVID. Because it's going to destroy our young people. And people are blind. Pray this prayer with me. I love you. I fight for you. These girls like that. I fight for you. That's why I do this. I don't have to. If it wasn't for God's calling, I could go buy that boat and go sail around the world. I could. Easy. But I fight for these kids. That child, you, you. That's what I fight for. That baby of Angelique, that's what I fight for. That's why I do what I do. I preached a little sermon to say, did you like what the pastor had to say tonight? Oh, it was such a nice message. <laughs> and what did the pastor say last week? I can't remember. And the week before? I can't remember. How's it changed your life? Um, I praise God, I'm still selfish. I still sip my latte and I still, um, but, but you know, it's, it's great. It's a belief. 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 I need a holiday, okay. Oh man, say Cease for you, man. I haven't been on holiday for three years. I need a holiday. That's obvious. Okay. <laughs> Reach hands out to these people. Let's pray for them. All of them. In all our churches. Pray this. Say this tonight. Say Jesus. Thank you for loving me as I am. I believe with all my heart you are the Christ. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you're alive. Tonight, I surrender my life to you. I open the door of my heart and I invite you to take your rightful place. I give you the empty spaces of my life and I ask you to fill it, to cleanse me, to heal me and to restore me in Jesus' name. Thank you that you love me just as I am. Now, don't clap. Listen, God's touching people. Your mistakes, hear me very carefully. People see people respond to all the calls. They say, We'll have that conversation later on. People are broken. People are hurt. People are messed up. Here's the thing about Jesus Christ. He doesn't address symptoms. He addresses the cause of behavior. We want to address symptoms. He doesn't. He addresses why that person is doing what they are doing. He knows it's hurt, it's rejection, it's anger, why that person are doing what they are doing. That's why he was different to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he does that with love, mercy, grace, and kindness. He treats you better than you ever deserve. 
and He loves you and keeps on loving 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 you. And every time you fall, He's there to pick you up and He's never going to give you up. And one day you're going to melt like a big baby. You're just going to melt and you're going to give in and you're going to give up and you're going to surrender everything because you are going to be so overwhelmed by the love of God that you are going to change because He started that work and He will finish it. And it's a work of His grace and it's a work of His love and He is committed to you. Listen to me tonight in Jesus' name. So stop being hard on yourself and stop trying to fix everything about yourself. You give yourself to Jesus every day. You put yourself in the hands of Jesus and you are going to grow out of things. You're going to leave certain things behind. It's a journey of sanctification. It's a process. It's a process. You're going to outgrow certain things. I'm telling you, He started the work. He's going to finish it. You are His workmanship. You work with God. And if you fall, you run back to God. And if you fall again, you run back to God. And God's going to be there with arms open wide. And He's going to love you. And He's going to break that alcohol over your life. He's going to break that addiction. He's going to break everything over your life. And the day is going to come that you are going to say, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And you are going to live for God's glory all the days of your life. I believe it in Jesus' name. Say amen tonight. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.